Good morning, great to be here today on this very beautiful sunny day. We've got two readings this morning. The first one is from Psalm and that's Psalm 96 and then we're going to move through to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So starting with Psalm. Sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all people. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendour and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. And from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're reading from verse 1 through to 21. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body, and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who has no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
Thanks, Trudy, and good morning, everyone. My name's Mark. If we, if we haven't met, it's great to, great to be with you this morning. Um, I know we've got a, a few cruise ship lovers in this church, and there are, there's you know, a couple of people I'm thinking of in particular when I say that. Um, just a sec, just making this work. Brilliant. Um, I've never been on a cruise ship before, but I get the general idea of it, right? It, it makes sense. It's meant to be relaxing. It's meant to be luxurious as long as you don't get COVID while you're on it. It's a, it's a great time. Um, another ship that I've never been on is a rescue boat. Um, but again, the concept makes sense, doesn't it? Um, your job is to go out into dangerous waters and rescue people who are drowning. And so cruise ships and rescue boats, uh, two very different purposes. And the reason that I compare these two is to, to challenge us on how we think about church. Is church something that, I, that I'm part of to, to meet my needs, my tastes, my expectations? Or do I want to play my part in seeing lost people saved? Would I rather be part of a cruise ship church or a rescue boat church? Now, I've got nothing against cruise ships. Um, there'd be certain people I'd be scared to say that in front of here if I did. And I hope that our church does meet your needs and does meet your expectations in lots of ways. But I also hope that we're captured by a desire not just to be comfortable, but to be part of God's rescue plan. That as a church, we're passionate about leading people to Jesus. Uh, the last three years, I think for all of us, have been full of change, full of uncertainty, pretty, pretty tiring for everyone. And so as this year gets underway, it's a really good time for us just to, just to stop, just to take stock of the direction that we're heading in, both as a, as a church and in our own personal lives as well. And we've been doing that this month here at Trinity Church Modbury by going back to the three things that we think should shape every part of our lives, both as a church and at home. We've spent the last couple of weeks, as Craig said just before, looking at, what, at the, the what, the why, and the how of, firstly, loving God, and secondly, loving God's people. And this morning, we're going to be focusing on leading people to Jesus, so what it looks like to be a church that's on mission together. Now, we've just read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in a city called Corinth, and he's explaining to them why he first came to tell them about Jesus. And what he says to them has huge value for us today as we go about proclaiming the same message about Jesus today. Uh, this passage goes right to the heart of why we want to lead people to Jesus. And it does that by reminding us both of the message that we've been given, um, but also of our motivation to tell people this message as well. So the first thing to see is that we have an awesome message to proclaim. Now, Paul sums it up like this. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, so if our trust is in Jesus, then God is never, ever going to bring on us the judgment that we deserve for, for our sin, for all the ways that we get it wrong, for all the ways that we disobey God. And the reason for that is that Jesus has taken that debt on himself on the cross already. There's nothing left for us to pay. And so if you're here this morning just checking church out, checking Christianity out, working out 
what it's all about. This is the awesome news that we celebrate each week. Uh, that through Jesus, God has reconciled us to himself, as, as Stephen showed us in the all-ages spot before. He's restored the relationship that our sin had ruined. And not only that, but we see that he's given us what Paul calls the ministry of reconciliation. And, and this ministry of reconciliation is all about proclaiming the message of reconciliation, which is that God is reconciling the world to himself through Jesus. And notice, Paul, Paul's not saying here that there's, there's a few really special Christians who have the job of doing this and the rest of us can sit back and relax. He, he tells us that God has reconciled us to himself and he's given us this message of reconciliation to, talk, to tell other people about as well. So this is for all people who have put our trust in Jesus. Being reconciled to God through Jesus means that we've been given the same message of reconciliation that we've believed as well. We all have a role to play in calling people to accept and respond to this message. Um, as we heard in the, the All Ages spot just before, we are Christ's ambassadors. We're ambassadors of Jesus. God is making his appeal through us for people to come to Jesus. Uh, Stephen talked about this a bit before, but an ambassador is someone who goes out and speaks on behalf of someone more important than them. So, so our prime minister, for example, might send an ambassador to, to another country, and that ambassador knows that the reason he is there is to represent the prime minister, to, to speak the prime minister's message, to see what sort of a response that message gets. And that's what it means for us to be ambassadors of Jesus. It means that we represent him. We take his message the message of his death and resurrection to people everywhere who need to hear it. So I wonder, do you ever think of yourself as an ambassador? Do you ever think about yourself as someone who has an important job to do, an important message to proclaim? It can be hard though, can't it? It can be really, really hard for, for lots of reasons. Our capacity you know, with all the demands of work and life, family, paying taxes, servicing the car, mowing the lawn, staying on top of life, I don't have the headspace to, to think about inviting my neighbour along to church. Our connections. I don't know anyone who's not a Christian. Or I, I do know people, but I've tried everything to invite them along and nothing's happened and I don't know where to go from here. Courage. I don't want to risk my job security or, or my friendships by mentioning Jesus and pushing too hard. Confidence. How do I even get the conversation started in the first place? And, and what makes me think that anyone's going to listen to me if I do? Capacity, connections, courage, confidence, and you can probably think of other words beginning with C or other letters as well that sum it up. There, there are lots of barriers that get in the way, aren't there? Leading people to Jesus isn't easy. I caught up with an old school friend last week. I thought, oh, I'll invite him along to our, to our Easter service. And if he says no to that, I'll, I'll dial back a bit and invite him along just to, a, just to a normal church service. If he doesn't want to come along to that, I'll just dial back and invite him along to our Brewster event that we've got coming up this Saturday. And, and I got no's for all of them. And it's hard. It's, it's hard putting yourself out there like that. 
so what was it that drove Paul to, to push through all of these barriers and to proclaim this message? Well, I think that there are three motivations that we see in the passage that we've just read. And the first one is that Paul had a right view of eternity. Uh, so as you read through the book of 2 Corinthians, which we're actually going to do a little bit later this year, we've got a, a series in it starting in August. As you read through 2 Corinthians, it becomes really clear that Paul is a guy who is familiar with pain and suffering and weakness in a big way. And yet he's also able to, to see beyond them as well. Um, so in the verses just before our passage began, he, he declares that in spite of all the suffering that he's gone through, he doesn't lose heart. He doesn't lose heart. Why? Well, because he says, our light and momentary troubles, which is a big understatement if you know anything about Paul's life, they're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And as Paul fixes his eyes on the unseen, he, he looks forward to the new body and the new home that he's going to have one day. We, we pick it up in verse 1. He, he tells us, We know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Uh, some of you will be aware, I've, been, I've spent a bit of time being a bit of a hospital connoisseur the last month or so. I spent a week in, in hospital just recently. So big, big thank you to everyone who prayed for us during that time, cooked us meals, sent messages, all, all that sort of thing. We were definitely, definitely feeling the love in the current house of late. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I'm really thankful that I was able to go to hospital and get treated. I'm aware that I live in a, a time and a place where um, the, the hospital care that we have is unprecedented. I know that some of you are doctors and nurses. I'm thankful for the work you do. That's, that's my caveat and what I'm about to say next. Um, it's not a fun experience, though, being in hospital at all. Um, you're crammed into a, a tiny section of a room, uh, an uncomfortable bed, surrounded by sick and contagious people. Uh, the food's not particularly amazing. Uh, you're sort of at the mercy of what sort of moods the, the nurses are in at the time and how many other people are in the hospital and, and who's more sick than you are. Uh, the whole time that I was there, all I could think about was going home. That was all I could think of. I've never appreciated my home as much as I have in that week. Um, my perspective was just shaped in every way by my own bed, my own coffee machine, my own couch, all those things. And it was on my mind. It was all I could talk about. You can ask Alicia about that if you've got any doubts about that. I just wanted to be home. And Paul sees everything in his life through this lens of knowing that he's going to be home one day. There's a future glory coming that is going to overshadow any pain, any suffering, any discomfort, any rejection that we go through. And so for Paul, mission begins with seeing the unseen. It begins with having a right view of eternity. And it also means having a right view of Jesus as well. Uh, Paul recognizes clearly that he is accountable to Jesus in every way. He, he says, we, we make it our goal to please him, to please Jesus, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. 
Now, sounds pretty, pretty serious there. Um, when he talks about appearing before the judgment seat and, and receiving what is due to us, just to be clear, what Paul isn't talking about there, what he isn't talking about is whether or not we're saved, whether or not we're right with God. Because it's clear everywhere else in Paul's letters that the only thing that makes us right with God is trusting that Jesus died and rose for us. We're not saved by, by the things that we do. But Paul is saying we're still going to appear before Jesus and we're still going to give account for our lives. We're going to give account for how we've served him with the opportunities that we've had. And this should cause us to live with, with a, a healthy kind of fear. It should, it should keep us mindful that we're accountable to Jesus. And not just that, but we owe Jesus everything. Now, we're convinced, Paul says, that one, Jesus, died for all, and therefore, all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Uh, so in other words, Jesus died to, to bring us to God, to save us from judgment. And because, because he died for us, we've died a kind of death ourselves as well. We've died to ourselves. See, sin is all about living for me. It's all about me being at the center of the universe. It's living with myself as the boss, not God. Following my own rules and, and rejecting God's rules. Jesus has died to, to save us from sin and to transform our allegiance. And so we're now living for him. And the more we get to know Jesus, the more, the more that we see how awesome and how loving and how kind Jesus is to us, the more that we'll want to tell people about him. The best way that we can be a church that's on about leading people to Jesus, it's not Stephen or I getting up the front every week and saying, you all need to try harder at leading people to Jesus. You all need to try harder at preaching the gospel to people. The best way to do it is to make sure that we're a church that's fixing our eyes on Jesus. Because our mission to, to lost people is going to be the overflow of our love for God. It, it's as we love Jesus and we recognize how great he is that we'll want to tell other people. And so our mission is the overflow of our love for God, but it's also the overflow of our love for people around us, which brings us to Paul's third motivation for mission, which is having a right view of people. Uh, since then, Paul says, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. Paul clearly loves people. And so he wants all people to have a right view of Jesus, to have the hope that Jesus alone offers. Paul isn't fussed what people think about him. Um, what he cares about is what people think about Jesus. And so having, having the right view of eternity really shapes the way that Paul sees the people around him. He doesn't look at anyone from a worldly point of view anymore. Every person he sees, every person he sees is someone who one day will answer to Jesus for their life. And I have to say, I don't know about you, I find this really challenging. Because I've got to be honest, when, when I look at people, so often I just see them as people, whether they're, they're friends or family who I know or, or people I walk past in the supermarket, I, I just see them the way that anyone else in the world would see them. 
so often. You know, I, I like this person. I, I don't like this person as much. This person's walking too slowly in the supermarket. I want to I get around them. It, it rarely hits me between the eyes like it should, that this is someone who will give account to Jesus one day for their life. So if this message of reconciliation is true, if we've rejected our creator and we deserve his judgment, uh, but if Jesus died and became sin so that we could become right with God, and if believing in Jesus is the difference between eternity in heaven and eternity in hell, then people desperately need to know. There's nothing more loving that we can do for someone than to point them to Jesus. And that's actually true whether they're a follower of Jesus or not. There's nothing more loving we can do for someone than to point them to Jesus. It's why our church was planted 13 years ago. We're going to celebrate this next week with our birthday and, and talk about it a bit more. But um, Trinity Church Modbury was planted so that more and more people could hear the good news about Jesus and be reconciled back to God. And praise God that's happened over the years. People have come to faith and, and we pray that many more people would come to know Jesus. So Paul, just to, to tie things together so far, Paul has told us that if we know Jesus, then we have a message to proclaim. And we're motivated to proclaim that message by having a right view of eternity, a right view of Jesus, and a right view of the people around us. So what does that look like for us as a church as, as we go this year and beyond in our efforts to lead people to Jesus? Well, I want us to, to, to think about three things. I want us to think firstly about mission in our personal lives, mission in our church life, and then mission beyond our neighborhood as well. Uh, so firstly, in our personal lives, how good would it be? Just, just picture this for a moment. Just imagine this in your minds. How good would it be if we were a church where everyone, young and old, everyone every week was doing something to lead people to Jesus? Everyone every week, doing something to lead people to Jesus. Now, it doesn't have to be drastic. It might, it might be inviting a friend along to church. Um, it might just be catching up with them for a coffee, just to, just to build the relationship and take that next step. It might be doing something that you're going to do anyway, but inviting some, some people along and getting to know them. Like this year, when the, the Crows play Port in the showdown, I'm probably going to watch it because I'm a Crows fan. And I've got some Port fans who don't go to church, don't, don't know Jesus, what's wrong with me bringing them along? At least Paul will probably win, so they'll be in a good mood with it. Now, now, I'm not suggesting that we should have a quota system in place or anything like that. Like, you know, Craig, it's been eight days, you haven't done anything to reach people, you're not allowed to come to church. N- nothing like that. Um, what I mean is that if mission was something that we were so passionate about, so on fire for, that, that we didn't just try to add it to, to all the other things that we do in our busy lives but that it was naturally integrated into our lives. How good would it be to be part of a church where that was happening day in, day out? And as I said before, that, that starts with loving God. We, we, can't, we can't fake it any other way. It starts with loving God and realizing just how awesome Jesus is. That's the foundation. But we also need to be intentional as well. And so I want to encourage everyone here to be committing to to three things this year. Firstly, getting to know people. Building genuine relationships with with friends, family members, neighbours, workmates who who don't yet know Jesus. 
And secondly, praying for them. Prayer is huge. We, we have no power whatsoever to make anyone believe the gospel message. It's, it's, we, we utterly depend on God to do that. And so as a church, we need to be praying. In fact, in a few moments' time, Sally's going to share about an opportunity that we have to, to get involved in praying together as a church for mission. Uh, so knowing people, praying for them. Third thing that we can all be doing is looking for that next step with everyone in trying to lead them to Jesus. Maybe it's inviting them along to our Easter service or our, our life series. Maybe it's just crossing that pain barrier in our conversations and asking, asking a question that, that gets the conversation open, like, do you believe in God? What do you think life's all about? Seeing, seeing where that conversation goes. Uh, for me, this year, I'm, I'm going to be praying for my brother and my two brother-in-laws who, who don't yet know Jesus. I'm going to be praying for our next-door neighbors who um, we're, we're hoping to get to know better this year. I'm going to be praying for our neighbors from a previous house that we lived in who we've managed to stay in touch with. I'm going to be praying for a few close friends from my, my uni and my school days as well who I've stayed in touch with, praying for those opportunities to take those next steps in leading them to Jesus. What about you? Who will you be praying for this year? And, and what are those next steps that you can aim to take this year? In our community groups this week, we're going to be doing a Bible study that, that ties in to this topic, that there'll be an opportunity in your groups to share about one or two or three people who you know, who you'd love to, to take next steps with this year, who you'd love to see come to know Jesus. And you don't have to be in a community group for this either. If, if you're not part of a group, you can still, this is still something that you can chat about with people here at church or, or outside of church over morning tea or, or whatever. Um, why not share today over coffee about who it is that you're going to be praying for this year? Uh, so mission in our personal lives, but mission in our church life as well. And we want that to be happening in a way that, that is supporting what we're doing in our personal lives as well, supporting all of us as we go about leading people to Jesus. Uh, we've got a mission team this year that's just started meeting together, which I'm, I'm really excited about. So Alicia's on the team, uh, Craig, who's service leading, is on the team, uh, Kate and Suz as well are, are on the team. We're, it's been great, and, and myself as well, it's been great and encouraging meeting together this year. There are two big aims that we've got as a mission team this year. Firstly, we want to be doing everything we can to, to equip and to encourage everyone in our church family uh, for mission. We want to be making sure that everything that we're doing as a, as a church, our, our community groups, our Sunday services, that, that all of these things are working together to, to drive us and to encourage us in sharing about Jesus. And secondly, we want to make sure that as a church, we're providing those next steps for people to, to come along, to check out Jesus. Next steps for us to invite friends and family along. Things that you can invite your friends along to with confidence. Uh, like our Barista Masterclass, which is happening this Saturday. It's just a really easy invite thing. If, if, if you've got a friend who likes making coffee, just, just a chance for them to come and be in the building that we meet at for church, meet a few other people from church, but not have a, a surprise Bible talk or anything like that thrown on them. Uh, we've got our play group, which runs on Tuesday mornings. It's a really great ministry that helps us to connect with lots of families in our local community. Uh, the team that runs that does a great job. Uh, then there's more 
I guess, more serious things, not serious, but more intense things, like our, our life series that we've got coming up. Um, you'll hear more about that in a few weeks' time, um, where people can come along, and it's a chance for them over four weeks to really intentionally explore who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. Um, our Sunday gatherings, especially our, our big services like Christmas and Easter and Mother's Day, those sorts of services, where we, we really try to make sure that each week you can invite people along with confidence. Um, just catching up with Craig the other day, we're, we're keen to run more community events as a church, which are great ways for us to spend time together as a church family, but also great opportunities to invite people along. Like Just thinking really simple things like going for a, going for a walk at Mount Crawford or along the beach, things like that. Just ways that we can invite people to be part of our church family. Uh, we want to give you every chance to invite friends and family along to, to hear about who Jesus is and, and to be part of our church community. Uh, so we want to be leading people to Jesus in our personal lives, in our church life. And finally, we, we want to be doing it beyond our neighborhood as well, uh, which is why our mission partners are so important. Uh, there's not a lot that I can do personally to rescue girls from sex slavery in Cambodia and to, and to preach the gospel to them, to share with them about Jesus. There's really not a lot I can do personally to build relationships at the local university and to, and to try and point people there to Jesus. There's not a lot that I can do to go around to all the country towns around South Australia and, and talk to people about Jesus there. But what I can do is I can partner through prayer and through giving with people who are doing those things already. Uh, we're partnering with Maggie Cruz over in Cambodia, doing some amazing work with girls over there. It was, um, it was really a shame. Maggie was meant to be here this morning. Actually, we're really excited about it. She had to go back to Cambodia at short notice, unfortunately, but we're hoping to hear more from her throughout the year. Uh, we've got Anya and the, and the ES team at, at Mawson Lakes University who are all about equipping the students there to be on mission to their classmates. Uh, and we've got Bush Church Aid as well who are, who are doing great work out in the country as well, equipping churches out there to proclaim Jesus to people. Um, so those are ways that we can be actively part of God's mission in places that really we don't have the capacity or the means to get to ourselves. So I'd really encourage you this year to be thinking about whether it's with those mission partners or, or other ones that you're passionate about, to think through how you can be involved beyond our neighbourhood this year. Being on a rescue boat in stormy waters trying to rescue drowning people sounds really hard doesn't it? And telling people to, to confess their sin and to accept Jesus as their, as their Lord and be reconciled to God doesn't sound a lot easier, I have to say. But we do it knowing just how desperate our need is. We do it knowing how awesome it is that the one who had no sin became sin for us so that we could come to God. We do it knowing that our God is mightier to save, that he's called us to be part of his ministry of reconciliation. And we do it knowing that prayer is absolutely essential. And so with that in mind, let me finish by praying for us now. Our mighty and loving God, you are worthy to receive worship from all people. And all people everywhere need the grace, the mercy, and the hope that you alone offer. And so we ask that you would grow us all in our hunger to see people one for Christ, and that we would be a church full of people partnering together on mission to our friends, 
our family, our neighbours and people all over the world. Um, please be equipping and empowering each of us by your word and by your spirit. and Use us to proclaim your gospel message and help us to trust and depend on you every step of the way. And we ask, Lord, that you would bring more and more people to be reconciled to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.